Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Hello and welcome back to Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me to discuss what might be considered the second Frasier and Lilith stealth pilot of the season, not one but two returning guests. First up, the host of Norm, a Cheers podcast. Please welcome Marlene Stemme back to the show. Hello, Marlene. Hey, Ryan. And from the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, please welcome back Brandon Davis. How's it going? Hey, Ryan. Just great. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you both again for uh, being on the show. At least in my time zone, we are recording this on Wednesday at about eight-ish, uh, which is the <laughs> same time that they set the date uh, for the, the dinner date. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Totally intentional. <laughs> um, speaking of that, yeah, we're, we're talking about a very much beloved and uh, fun episode. We're at season five, episode 20 already, Dinner at Eight-ish. This one is written by Fief Sutton, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, February 26th, 1987. Frazier and Lilith tell the bar they are now cohabitating and invite Sam and Diane over to dinner to celebrate. The pressure of hosting a dinner, however, gets to the young couple, who begin to psychoanalyze each other's behavior playfully at first and then a little bit more bitterly until an upset Lilith locks herself in the bathroom just as Sam and Diane arrive. After welcoming his guests, Frazier is able to plead with Lilith to come out. The tension softens due to an inside joke, but things get tense again when the conversation subject turns to honesty and secrecy with regards to previous relationships. Diane's offhand mention of her former engagement to Frasier sends Lilith back into the bathroom as Frasier had never divulged that part of his history. Frasier tells the truth of how Diane left him at the altar, but Lilith accuses him of still harboring feelings for her, which he vehemently denies. Diane tries to placate Frasier and Lilith, but Lilith turns her accusation on Diane's emotionally abusive behavior until Diane retreats and locks herself in the bathroom. At last, Sam is able to calm the room by reminding them all that regardless of past behaviors, they have all found happiness with the people that they're with now, and they ought to embrace that. But after dinner, Sam recognized Lilith's kitchen helper, Jill, a former lover. An irate Diane wonders aloud why they can't go anywhere in all of Boston without running into a former girlfriend of his. Diane runs back into the bathroom, and Sam offhandedly mentions when she used to live with Frazier, a shock to Lilith who believed that she was the first woman Frazier lived with. Then Lilith follows Diane into the bathroom. Rather than coax them out, Frazier decides to lock the two women in there. Then he and Sam adjourn to another room to watch I, Claudius, and smoke cigars. Oh, and in the B-plot of this episode, Cliff babysits Carla's children, and it goes about exactly as you would expect it to go. Alrighty, guys. Um, Marlene, you up first. Uh, overall big picture thoughts on this episode. Why did you, why did you pick this one when, when I gave you your pick? Oh, wow. It's, I, I, there's so many reasons. I think there are reasons I don't even realize. I just enjoy watching it 
over and over, I've discovered that I do. I think that it's one of those that it could be a play. You know, I mean, we've, I think, talked before mm-hmm. about how so many Cheers episodes have a play-like quality, but this one, this the dinner party could have been filmed, aside from the dinner that they don't show, which I think is also interesting. Mm-hmm. It could be, they could have just filmed it in one take, which I think is really interesting. Um, I tend to like stories that have a limited cast of characters that are kind of confined in one location, and they either have to like figure out a mystery or they have to interact with each other in some fashion, figure something yes, out. Yeah. So it it kind of pushes that button for me in terms of what I like. Um, and you know, they have this. I like this theme of the, you know, it's propriety on the outside, but it's all this sort of psychological conflict internally. And it's hilarious in the midst of that, you know. Um, And then, of course, we'll talk about, I'm sure, some of the character contributions and what Lilith brings to it, too. I I just really think she shines here as well. So all of those things, all the characters. And then I'm going to say as well that any episode that features Corinne is going to be something (laughs) (laughs) that I love. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, we'll we'll get to her, too. (laughs) It's a very small part, but it's enjoyable. Brandon, overall big picture thoughts of this one? Oh, well, exactly what uh, Marlene said. The, to me, this is uh, very similar to the episode you and I talked about last, Young Dr. Weinstein. We don't spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in the bar in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is more this is more a very tightly knit um, just examination of a couple, you know, few characters. And uh, I think it's so interesting. And to me, this episode is also a great representation of an era of the show that's about to come to an end and an era of the show that's about to start. And they're converging in this one episode. And so to me, it's always fascinating to see these two couples that so define the two different eras of Cheers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good point. And, and it's hilarious. Like you said, there's so many, great one, so many great one-liners and you have really four solid, talented actors working at the top of their game together in, in this little you know, 25-minute play, as we've mentioned. And yeah, it's just, it's just a great scenario. And it's so much what Cheers does so well, unlike other sitcoms, Cheers really plays its history well. It really plays its continuity well. And so this is a mm-hmm. couple of years of history finally bubbling up to the surface in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love that you both mentioned how much sort of like a play it is, because one of the one of the comparisons that I thought or one of the other episodes that came to me is what uh, many people would argue is the best episode of Cheers further at the, the end of the 10th season is an old fashioned uh-huh. wedding, uh-huh. Uh, the, the two part <clears throat> there. Um, because I've always thought very much that that could be almost like a, a two act play. And, and similarly, most like the majority of the action here is not set in cheers it's set in an alternate location but we kind of get one basic setup and and there is a lot of moving and a lot of blocking and people coming in and out but our focus is on this one kind of centralized location in the living room in fraser and well it's a place but it also kind of has some elements of what tv tropes would call a bottle episode um, without actually being that because we do have more than one location, we do leave from time to time. But in, in the sense that our characters are kind of confined in a way based on the, the geographics of the, of the stage or the, the setting, and they're all kind of figuratively under a microscope in that they're actually sort of like doing some psychoanalysis of each other. Interesting that two of them 
that's actually their profession but they, there's a lot of like conflict and catharsis within this short amount of time because of the characters are thrown into the spot that they can't really leave even if they try to retreat to the bathroom um, and have to have these sort of confrontations um, so just from like a just a, a storytelling structure and, and like a, the narrative for the the show. I just think it's it's kind of a brilliant little setup and a brilliant little premise. Um, and and then yeah, once you get into the actual the jokes and the wonderful performances, it's just dynamite all around. I think it's interesting too, and kind of play like how the props are used because it's mm. different for Cheers. Like they, ha- I was thinking about this. They have the um the dip, obviously, you know, <laughs> and you have Sam eating through the entire episode. <laughs> Which is another thing that I wanted to mention at some point. I think that's interesting. Um, and then there's the, what is it, the cheese knife? Yeah, yeah, the cheese knife. But they're just the way they use these props throughout oh, yeah. the thing. Or it's very right. simple, but it's very much like a play. And the, and the great and the great bit with the magazines, too. Yes, there's the a lot of, a lot of business. And a wonderful, like, even if it's, it doesn't get mentioned, a little bit of continuity. Um, you, you mentioned how Sam is constantly eating through all of these, like, big things. Like, he just, like, doesn't stop eating. It reminded me, I, I, can't, I think it's the episode that guest starred Mike, Marky Post when he goes over for dinner when they're having this blow up and he's, like, kind of mentioning something while yes. he's eating, like, a breadstick or something. And Diane's like, how can you be eating right now? And he's like, I've eaten through worse than this. Or something like that. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Okay, well, let's actually get into it, uh, because this has a a lovely little short kind of instant consequential teaser, but kind of funny. Frazier walks up to the bar and Norm is sitting there scribbling down notes. And he's like, what are you doing? He's he's trying he's coming up with notes to prepare a speech. Vera has asked Norm, of all people, to deliver a speech to her women's auxiliary club. And he's like, I hate public speaking. And and Frazier, like, interestingly, doesn't kind of go through the whole psychology of public speaking and and the very well-known phobia of it um he just kind of like very like Frazier actually in the scene could have been anybody could have been cliff could have been any of the tertiary barflies um because it's really just norm rattling off the different symptoms of public speaking when you have mm-hmm. sweaty palms your knees buckling your your teeth my like tongue gets fat it feels like it's like full yeah. of cotton and everything like that all these you know well-known like symptoms that a lot of people uh, have if they're afraid of public speaking and then Fraser's just like so what's the subject poise the key to success <laughs> yeah I was thinking for such a memorable episode this is one of the most simple uh, teasers that I think we've had up to this point mm-hmm. yeah it is and pretty short too I, I yeah. mean maybe only like 20 seconds long yeah. I think yeah 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 it's interesting so- the part I think is interesting is that just that Vera, like you said, that Vera asked Norm to give the speech. <laughs> so it's like there's just the little tidbits of the relationship that you yeah. get from him are, are interesting, I think. But otherwise, yeah, I agree with Brandon. It's kind of, I wouldn't say generic because none of them are no. really generic. They're all based in the characters. But it is pretty simple and not, I, I forget the teaser to this one, whereas there's some episodes where it clearly stands out. You know, this one's not necessarily something that stands out to me. Right, right, and you're right, and you're right with Fraser and the public speaking because there's a season I forget which one, but coming up down, coming down the road where Fraser has to give a speech, and then Carla tells him to uh, d- does the whole uh, imagine everybody naked, and that's the subplot of the whole episode. I remember <laughs> that. Is that the socks wearing black socks? Yes, wearing <laughs> yeah. black socks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that's coming up in one of the later seasons. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Um, and again, just like like the the kind of 
the little magic and, and this is not unique to cheers but it's like if for for filmmaking like it's just like the magic that comes from having a third person in the scene and in this case it's sam who doesn't mm-hmm. say anything mm-hmm. but when like norm delivers the punchline to fraser you know it's just a conversation between them mm-hmm. just the cutaway to sam laughing laughs he it, laughs yeah just yep. gives it that little extra spark that just makes it a little bit more special as a teaser so mm-hmm. I think Ted Danson is really good at doing that kind of like buttoning somebody else's big moment with Mm -hmm. an expression that helps, you know, I like that a lot. Yeah. He's always very generous about things like that. Yeah. Um, Then we, uh, we get into the episode proper and it starts off with our, what will be the B plot that Carla needs a babysitter. She's on the phone with her mom and she's like, yeah, I understand. Like her mom can't babysit. And they're like, Oh, what's the problem? And Carla's like, she's afraid to do it. (laughs) So, A few things happen in this one that uh, Carla has a date with her butcher. We do actually get uh, another little bit of continuity because Norm asks, what about Eddie? Uh You know, Eddie Mm -hmm. Lebeck from just a couple of episodes ago. Um, And now we know that at least in Carla's mind, they're not completely exclusive. I mean, Carla's like touring with with the Bruins and she says Eddie's in Vancouver and her butcher is just three blocks away. Yeah. (laughs) And she's mentioned before or so, there's something about how attractive her butcher was, or he was like the best looking man in town or something like that. In a previous yeah. Oh episode. yeah. No, that was, a, that was one of the best jokes of a previous episode was, um, who was it? Like, Oh yeah. Who's the best looking man in Boston. <laughs> it's like Carla's butcher. <laughs> and even Woody thought that. Yeah. Like, Sam asked Woody, he's like, who's, who's the best looking guy in town? He's like, Oh, that's easy. Carla's butcher. Yeah. Right. I'm glad Norm asked that though. Cause I also was wondering what about Eddie? Yeah, no, it, it is nice that they, they keep that. They mention that too. But, um, uh, but yeah, so the then the thing is, like, Cliff is like, well, I'll babysit your kids, but like, everybody else is quick to say, like, no, we can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Fraser, like, uh, Norman Vera have this thing going on that on Wednesday, and and Sam and Diane are like, yeah, we have this thing going on too. There's this little moment there where Sam, like, looks to Norm, is like, hey, maybe we have the same <laughs> thing. And Norm is like, no, I don't think so. And I just, I was just kind of like wondering about like the motivation of that, like, was like Sam trying to suggest just like they did like a double date type of thing and norm was just like shutting it down like no that's that's not a good idea i thought he was trying to make the story seem more believable or i don't know what he was thinking but that was yeah like funny yeah yeah but, but norm was just like no you're the type of thing that you and diane do would not be the type of thing <laughs> right that you're yeah norm. right that's true but yeah so cliff keeps saying he's like yeah i'd love to babysit your little kids and carla does not hear him we say like like doesn't just reject him but just like ignores him like she doesn't hear it and i think she even ducks under his arm at one (laughs) she does (laughs) she does to get out of the bar because he's (laughs) he plants himself right at the back gate and she's like well and the thing is and we know carla can be unnecessarily cruel to cliff sometimes but would you want cliff clavin watching your kids (laughs) Mm, that's true (laughs) we'll we'll see how that goes we'll find out in, in the second act you know? um actually because we're going to spend so much time at dinner let's let's actually let, let's play this thing through mm-hmm. so um once we actually get like sam and diane agree to go to this date with um with uh fraser and lilith it's at like the same time they're like yeah dinner at uh, wednesday eight ish and carla catches them and she's like so i thought you said she's like if you didn't want to babysit my kids you should have just told me and they don't even have to look at each other. They're both just like, we don't want to babysit your kids, <laughs> which I think is my runner up for, or, or one okay. of my runners up for my mm-hmm. favorite part. Yeah. So then they're, she's like, she's going to break her date. They're like, somebody 
hint, hint, Cliff, he's right there, wants to babysit your kids. Will you give him a chance? And before she'll even, like, try that, she runs back to Al, who's going into the back room. <laughs> and, no, actually, I, I take I take back what I said before. This was almost my home run for the episode. She's like, Al, what are you doing Wednesday night? And Marlene, what does he say? Pumping iron. <laughs> It's so unexpected. It's it's not the heights of the Sinatra. Sinatra. Like right. That. Oh, that's because true. obviously so she good. comes to him, so you're you're waiting for him to say something. Mm-hmm. But of all of the things he could possibly say, this old man drunk with this reddish cherubic face and his voice. And he doesn't just say working out, which is crazy enough for a man of his age and his state, but Pumping iron. And he says it in a way like that that would be obvious. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's sort of like like the previous episode when, like, Cliffy was like, when Sam got engaged, and Cliffy's like, well, I guess there's only one stud left, one single guy left in the bar. And uh, Al's like, hey, I can handle all the women. (laughs) Right. So, so yeah. So, and then the only real thing is that we get in the middle of the second act when most of the action is happening at Fraser's apartment. We do cut back briefly to Cheers, and we see when Carl is on her date and Sam and Diane are on their date. We do actually have the one occasional substitute waitress that shows up, <laughs> um, which is uh, Corinne, uh, played by Doris Grau. This is her second of three appearances. Uh, she first appeared on uh, Diane Chambers' day, um, and she'll come back again for a third time later on. Um, and this is, uh, like, if you don't know what she looks like, you've heard her voice because she also voiced Lunch Lady Doris on The Simpsons for a couple of days, for a couple of years. And it's just Norman Woody at the bar. And they're like, yeah, thanks for shipping in. And she's like, yeah, no problem. And, and Norm actually remarks that it's kind of a light day. Mm-hmm. And how does how does Corinne phrase it? She says, in that sort of rich smoke, you know, like she smoked a lot of voice. She says something about like, that's what you said the last time. And when I got home, my can was dragging this far off the ground. <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> and she's wearing that perky little diner. Outfit. <laughs> she's, she's hilarious. And then Norm says like, thanks for sharing that, Corinne. And did you, <laughs> does like the same little hand motion that she did for the can dragging off the ground. I don't remember. Was she, was she, she was the hungry heifer waitress, right? She's coming up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to think of like the, the joke about it, like, cause she recognized Norm in the other episode, like we have <laughs> right. a name for you, the one who, the guy who keeps coming back. <laughs> right. And then like, there, there's a phone call at the bar and they're like, yeah, oh, it's Carla's kids. They're going to drop off Mr. Clavin. And Norm's like, I don't think our kids are old enough to drive cut to you hear the sound of car wheels screeching on the street above and like skidding by the tube and you just hear that something falling tumbling down the steps and when they open up the door cliff is completely tied up wrapped up around and everything and like gagged mm-hmm. with a note that says don't open to christmas so and woody oh man <laughs> yeah, he's just he's like, no ignore the no open now <laughs> So, what did you what did you guys think of both Doris and the, this little subplot with Cliff? Cheers does so well when they bring in these little recurring 
characters uh, that are so good and, and, and they might only be in just a couple episodes, but they're so memorable and she's, she's just great. And I love the, uh, I love the little banter that she and George went have together because it's so dry. And that's just like two people that understand each other. It's just so, <laughs> it's, it's so great. And yeah, and this is a, you know, just like, you know, going back again to Dr. Weinstein, when we did, you know, they had that little subplot of Woody trying to come up with a new flavor of drink or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah. it's just a funny little diversion to sort of give you a little break from the main plot, but it's it it, it gives you a nice couple giggles, and yeah. I, I think it works so great. Yeah, yeah. I, Corinne is one of my favorite of those very <laughs> occasional characters. She just fits in in that occasional way, you know. And I like the because I think Woody hired her the last time, and it sounds like he maybe has called and asked her to come in this time. Just I think he's the one that thanks her for coming in. Um, <laughs> yeah. I like that too. I like that Woody maybe knows Corinne or something. Um, so she, yeah, she just adds some flavor to it. I would say the part with Cliff is the only part, I wouldn't say it's weak, but it's definitely given how strong the rest of the episode is. That's probably my least favorite part. It still adds something and Woody's response adds something too. So, yeah, you know, I mean, it's kind of part of that larger idea of like what everybody did on Wednesday night type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives, it gives Norman Cliff something to do in an episode where they wouldn't otherwise be used yeah. really. Um, and to have Cliff like, try you know to insert himself into a situation that he has no business inserting mm-hmm. himself into like, <laughs> right. he, he's so he's so sure of himself he's so sure that he's the smartest guy and that he's no and of course he thinks that yeah all all carlos like hooligan kids really need is just a real male role model the right? authority That's, figure oh uh, yeah <laughs> yeah and norm's joking he's like oh you're gonna bring your mom huh? <laughs> and of course it goes exactly as you would expect when cliff thinks mm-hmm. he knows everything is the kids to t- like hog tie him, to like tape, wrap him up in tape like a mummy, and throw him out of a speeding car. It's like he's lu- he's lucky to get out of there with all- with all of his teeth, you know. Yeah. So, um, but so getting back to the meat of it, when no and Fraser and Lilith first come up, they're super excited. They they walk in together, and Fraser's like, "Should I sh- should I tell them the good news?" <laughs> Lilith and just her her very. Her, the, the the Lilith voice. She's just like out with it, or I'm liable to burst with anticipation. Like she says without yeah. much inflection. Yeah. Um, and they they reveal that they are puzzle cues, which is of of course it's it's one of they're like what like even Sam and Diane are like like because my first thought was like okay is this a foreign language thing? It's like no, even Diane doesn't recognize this. So she explains that it is person of the opposite sex sharing living quarters. Um and Fraser goes, it's a lover's in joke we picked up from a census bureau acronym. And Woody <laughs> Oh I love those. <laughs> I love those. Like that's a like that's a thing. And and Fraser just like waves his hand like what? <laughs> so Diane thinks that them moving in together was impetuous, and Wolf explains that they they took this chance they, of moving in together a week ago, but they didn't announce it because they didn't want to put any additional stress or pressure on the success. Um, but now, after a week, she says, we can announce that it is a limited success. <laughs> she doesn't explain the limited part. But... <laughs> it's almost like she's gone through very briefly it's scientific paper and we're in the discussion section now, like you pronounce it. We've gone through the results and now we're in the discussion. It's a limited success. There was <laughs> yeah. some data collection. Yeah, that, right, you know. right. <laughs> yeah. She definitely did the approaches with the scientific method of like mm-hmm. hypothesis, you know, testing. And, yeah. Right. 
can I say at this part, I love that Sam and Diane are kind of looking, they both seem to think that this is a little out of left field and they're not usually on the same page on relationships, but I like yeah, that we start it's... the episode where they're kind of exchanging looks with each other. So they're, you know, on the same page for quite a while in this episode, starting with this scene. I think that's yeah. interesting. Well, well, and I think that that also goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, the, we don't want to babysit your kids. I'm like, it's nice mm-hmm. to see, it's nice to see Sam and Diane on the same wavelength. Right. Uh, for, right. Right. For, 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 for some of this. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's really nice. And, you know, going back, you know, Postle Q, it's one of those things where you hear that phrase and you never forget it. I just, it'll, <laughs> it'll pop up into conversations every once in a while. <laughs> Then once we get to Fraser and Lois' apartment, when he comes in, I love that they have these names like Sweet Potato and Cinnamon Bear, Bear. and they keep dropping these things. Yeah. Um, and there's this whole thing with her setting up the apartment, the arrangement of the magazines. He comes in, has to rearrange them his way, and they go through that a couple times. And then that's what it is, like the rearrangement of the magazines. She has to call him on why he did this, and she asks him why he was late, but she expected this. And they they have these little bits of like you know, uh, she's like, I I know that there's a certain self-centeredness about you, and that's why you would be late on a day that's so important to me, and it only endears you to me. And and he <laughs> says something about how uncompromising she is, but it's a very attractive quality. You know? He also says something about like, who would have thought I'd enjoy living with you? But here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it. It, it's kind of funny, like how they're calling out these sort of character flaws like his insensitivity her passive aggressiveness anal retentiveness his possible fear of commitment but not wanting to live with her and everything and but they follow each critique with this compliment like it's something cute or charming and it's like (laughs) is this how they get through it or is this just like we kind of see it bubbling up and well, how does she say? Why do you insist on arranging the magazines in that insipid accordion? accordion design? Design. That's one of my favorite lines. That's one that. of mine too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he he kind of like knows he's he's got a number. He's like, you want me to start the fight, but I'm not going to do it. If you want to fight, go to it. And that's when she just blows up. And and she's like crying and shouting. And she's like, how could you be late when you knew I'd be a nervous wreck? And she locks herself in the bathroom after pushing him down. And there, there's a moment there where she, when she tosses the magazines, and I don't know if it was a yeah. choice by B.B. Newworth. I don't know if it's the dancer in her, but she mm-hmm. almost falls sideways onto the couch, but she stops herself. And I don't know if that's just her really getting into it or if that was choreography planned by B.B. Newworth, but mm-hmm. it is so, it's, it's such a graceful, uh, you know, little uh, a little fit she's throwing and i love it i love it because there's a, you know the the dancer in bb north every once in a while just comes out it does that's a good point yeah 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 i, I kind of i kind of assumed it was almost accidental like that yeah. just like the weight of the magazine mm-hmm. just throwing, mm-hmm. kind of threw mm-hmm. off her balance and everything and she almost toppled over but caught it but i mean i she was she's such a graceful person maybe that grace yeah. is what kind of kept her oriented so she didn't go I, all the way down I, but I, I think it's interesting too because i feel like we're we're in the stage now where they're still kind of experimenting with lilith to see exactly how to define her and what her because it's rare that we see her have this kind of emotional outburst and you don't see it too often especially as we get toward the later years of cheers so it's mm-hmm. it's interesting to see them still sort of the the writer sort of figuring out who she is and bb newer figuring out who she is at the same time Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I, I wonder though too if it seems to me like the type of outburst from someone that is so cerebral mm-hmm. that has just become overloaded, right? And so it's not you know she's not used to expressing her emotions. Like there's so many instances that are just fantastically funny in this episode where she's just completely unemotional in her response to something. 
but so I think it, in my opinion, it kind of comes out in this big torrent because she's not really adept at being emotional otherwise. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, oh, but I, I forgot because we need the setup for the dip thing. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, before, yeah. Before they even started to fight, when Fraser first comes in, you know, he takes her in his arms and he, he says, <laughs> I want to take you right here by the dip. And she's like, no, no, we've got company. And he says, yes, it'll be our little uh, joke on them. You know, like mm-hmm. every time they mention dip, we'll become kitty with remembrance. Is like, <laughs> is like the very syllable dip will become a syllable of our, of our, uh, our passion or something like that mm-hmm. um and she's like you're using sex to express your aggression toward the confines of polite society so and he's like dip and she's like i, I want I you love that. She, <laughs> I love that yeah she, and she kisses him but then i think it's um, funny too that they basically make out as soon as they come home and they're like how was your day and they're back to that kind of dry yeah. <laughs> for a moment yeah they're so sort of like uptight and repressed that as soon like, as they're right on or yeah. off yeah but yeah, so then as soon as she slams the door and locks it, we get the, the <laughs> doorbell and knock the door. Like, oh yeah, your your company is here, and Fraser has to deal with that. And and once they come in, we we get right away that Sam is hungry, and that's gonna right. play play into his behavior. Um, and Fraser goes to the door to try to get Lilith out, and again calls her Peach Blossom, another mm-hmm. one of these nicknames. <laughs> right. <laughs> and do you remember what else he said? Oh, no, it's. <laughs> He said, don't make yourself look too beautiful. I can hardly stand to look at you now. <laughs> I can hardly stand to look at you now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's just uh, definitely trying to play cool. He's like, yeah, she's just in there. Help yourself. And Diane, would you mind handing me that cheese knife? <laughs> so he can try to pry open the door. Um, and then once he gets in there, it's the thing where the, the characters can hear and the audience can hear him screaming at Lil. It's like, and what is it? These people are my friends, but they're not the best conversationalists. <laughs> right. And you, we definitely know that Diane hears this and picks up on it. She's like, just going to choose to let that one slide over. We don't even know if it actually registers with Sam. No. I assume that he's just taking it in stride. I don't know. Yeah. He's eating the chips at this point or commenting on the chips. <laughs> Oh, because during the invitation, when they asked him, he was like, we'll, we'll get down to the lost art of conversation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sam was like, I'll be there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then once Lilith comes out, she's sort of, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. How would, you, how would you describe her when she comes out, Marlene? Like, Very, she's flattened herself emotionally, kind of. Yeah. She just comes out Solid. and... And Diane, they're doing either congratulating them and so forth. And <laughs> Diane, she says, well, she says, welcome to our home. But she says it very flatly, welcome to our home. Yeah. And, and then Diane says, I, I, love, I love what you've done with the place. I love the masculine touches. <laughs> and she's just talking in general. And then you hear Lil say, thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but did you notice, too, that Diane, when she's when Lilith comes out, Diane hugs her and is congratulating her. And Lilith is just standing there rigidly. <laughs> she doesn't yeah. hug her back. <laughs> That's good. And then, tipping my hand, we get to the best part of the episode, but Sam asks Frasier for the dip. And uh, Frasier and Lilith both instantly kind of recall the in-joke and, and start to loosen up like ever so slightly. And and uh, Frasier passes uh, passes Sam the dip, and they're like, mm, this is really good, yeah. And then the, the more they're into it, the more the joke is for Frasier and Lilith. And it's like, Frasier, have you tried Lilith's dip? And he's kind of like <laughs> chuckling. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yes, quite I good. <laughs> 
Just like <laughs> the, the way they've made this into a double entendre is pretty, pretty good. And they're like, well, don't let us hard it. You guys have to have some of the dip too. And, and the way they stand up and, and like just the look that BB Newworth gives to Kelsey Grammer in this one mm-hmm. is just like, oh my God, it's, it's such a sexy look. But the way they take these, uh, these little tiny little chips and just very daintily dip them in and then just like, just eat, like, the way they like eat the, the chips and everything like that. And, and the way she says, was it was it good for you (laughs) (laughs) and it it, like it reminds me because like when they're when they're doing this and then they start like kissing each other and sam goes what the hell is in this (laughs) what the hell is in this dip (laughs) it reminded me of the last fraser and Loaf episode um or prior to this one um oh yes they were on the they were doing their show together psychology um, today or whatever psychology, it was, psychology yeah yeah so. when they're playing footsie and they're describing their psychiatric approach of like probing <laughs> and penetrating yes. a wound and yeah. how wrapped up sam and i am getting it's like something about the sexual chemistry and tension of of fraser and lilith gets to sam in this really weird way because his response was what the hell is in this dip right like sounded so much like his reading when he was like this psychology stuff is getting me hot that's right it's i think it's interesting the way that they've kind of filmed it too because in that i hadn't thought about this but that on the psychology show when they're like rubbing calves and you just see the host sitting behind them wondering (laughs) what's going on (laughs) and then this one they sort of stride across the floor to each other and start making out. And then you see Sam and Diane sitting there like <laughs> looking back and forth, like they don't know what's going on too. Exactly. So kind of cool. And I like that Sam has almost become the host at this point too. Like he's like, does anybody else want that? You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And later on, like he's the one who's pouring the drinks and pouring the wine and stuff for it's, them. But It's interesting as the evening goes along, Sam is kind of the least emotionally disturbed of everybody. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then, uh, oh, Diane makes a toast, which uh, the joke later on is this is just the first of several toasts she makes um, <laughs> to their house. And they're like, our house. And they oh, start to actually sing Our House by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young at the piano. And I, I always remember that part, um, the uh, the 20th, uh, 200th episode mm-hmm. um, when they did their whole musical montages. They included that like clip. But the part they cut out is when Diane gets up and tries to sing and harmonize with them. And it's just falling flat. And they end up just stopping. You know, she's kind of singing over them. She starts singing louder yeah. than they're singing. Yeah. Well, and it's the perfect, perfect representation of how Diane, you know, th- thinks she's an intellectual and always tries to yes. fit into that world. And she never quite does. And it's kind right. of the, it's kind of a nice button on that whole, right. you know, you know, that, that whole arc of her, you know, trying to fit into a world that necessarily doesn't accept her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and, there's more uh, of that coming up too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For about uh, to like two or three decades, however long it was for a very long time. Every time I heard our house, the, the song, I would think of this episode. Oh, yeah. And I would yeah. think of, like, in particular, like that moment of them, yeah. the, of Fraser and Lilith singing it together. Um, I think it only stopped just like uh, two years ago. Like, now when I hear Our House, I think of the Netflix show, The Haunting of Hill House, because the, the song was used in one of the trailers to a very different effect. Um, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's funny, but I think it's a nice moment too. Like Kelsey Grammer and BB Newworth look like they're having a nice time together. And I think it's interesting showcase of their musical talents. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that BB Newworth can sing in Lilith's voice. Yeah. Right. Actually. 
Yeah, I, I love, you know, every once in a while they do, you know, especially as we come up in some of these later seasons, they do give B.B. Newworth and Kelsey Grammer a chance to use their uh, musical theater skills. And, mm-hmm. it's fun, and, it's, and it's great how they tone them perfectly to the characters they're playing. Sometimes on sitcoms when you have actors who do have those kind of skills, it's really not in character when mm-hmm. they step out and do that, but they really tone it perfectly to Frasier and Lilith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Look at the karaoke machine of the bar. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's, that's exactly what that's I'm what thinking. I was, I was thinking that too. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lilith with the spoons at Woody's wedding. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm cooking. <laughs> <laughs> then they they start talking about honesty and secrets and and like that's how they have such an open relationship. And and Sam thinks it's a bad idea that they shouldn't talk about their past lovers and. Lois, you know, thinks this will only lead to embarrassment when the truth comes out. Well, dot, dot, dot. Um, Diane says that she's more comfortable knowing that Fraser told Lilith that she and Fraser were once engaged. And without even almost acknowledging them or, or saying anything to object, Lilith just gets up and goes right to the bathroom because Fraser never mentioned that to her. She did. What was it? So she doesn't have to worry about Lilith discovering this at some inopportune moment. And Fraser's yeah. like, like now, for instance. Like, yeah. And Fraser was like, yeah, he, he did tell her, but he'd never mentioned the fact that they were engaged. And Diane kind of tells him that he, he's got to be honest. He's got to tell the truth. And at all this time, Stan, Sam is still eating the snack. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, and she comes mm-hmm. out so that Fra- Fraser actually will tell the story about how she was left him and the whole thing was distraught, just kind of like destroyed him. Diane or Lilith kind of grills him, gives him a couple of questions like, you know, like if Diane hadn't broken it off, you would have been married today. And it's just because of her action that, you know, and she's like, you and basically accusing him of still having feelings. Maybe that's why he didn't tell her. And, and if Frazier denies it, and once again, it gets turned uh, on him, he gets more and more defensive to the point where he's like, I never loved her. And like he, he himself runs into the bathroom. Yeah, he just escalates. And then we have uh, now Diane has to go through the apologizing of hurting Frazier, but also sort of explaining and defending her emotional state at the time. Uh, and Lilith becomes pretty caustic towards Diane and like really isn't terror isn't really concerned about pulling her punches here and saying that, you know, she basically just used used Frazier to satisfy her own emotional needs without regards for this fellow human being, um, which is like a nice way of sort of like defending defending Frazier, but that sends Diane running to the bathroom. Yeah. And then the, for the first time, Sam has to kind of tell them all to, you know, put the past behind them, accept what they have found, happiness, and and Diane comes out and she's like, yeah, they, everybody apologizes all around. Sam's like, good, because I need to use the bathroom again. <laughs> everybody gets a turn in there. Sam is the only one who goes in there to actually, to actually use, use for right. one of its form. Yeah. Not to okay. retreat, but because he's been eating for the last 10 minutes. Anyway. And we also get we also get the bit of information that Frazier and uh, Diane used to only speak French to each other on right. Sundays, <laughs> <laughs> which you know again it's when these things when these harsh truths come out. What is Frazier? The only thing worse than your French pronunciation is your syntax. Your syntax. Uh huh. <laughs> one of those insults that Diane would care about and nobody else would. But and that's but, when she runs in the bathroom. That's the other part. Yeah. Like, yeah. What Brandon was saying. <laughs> earlier when diane you know fashions herself as this intellectual and she's just not quite to the level of the people with whom she wants to associate or she can't quite get herself there you know there you see a little bit of the pretense i think with this too with the french 
Right. Well, well, and, you know, we sort of talked about at the beginning, you know, there's a lot of subtext in this episode and there's a lot of uh, moments, you know, at the end of season three, when Diane jilts him at the altar, you know, Frazier just sort of comes back to the bar, uh, you know, a dejected human being and doesn't really, you know, he gets to let his emotions out a little bit. But this is kind of the moment where all these feelings can kind of come up to the surface that have been unsaid for a year or so. Yeah, that's a good point. And then we sort of cut back sometime later, a few hours later or something. It's after dinner. Uh, Lilith excuses herself to the kitchen. And the three of them had no idea what they were eating. <laughs> they were eating lasagna, whatever right. it was. They're like, I wasn't even thinking Italian. <laughs> I was the closest. I said something with meat. <laughs> um, and they overheared. Lilith in the kitchen telling somebody it's like you can go home now and they're like did you have help making this food and she's like just the side dishes you know the, the main entree was all mine and they're like oh okay like that that somehow explains it yeah um and they compliment her too and she seems really pleased with this with the mm-hmm. fact that they're complimenting her lasagna there's something innocent about Lilith I don't know if this is like the time to like get too much into that but there's just something in this episode I can't quite place it but there's just some sort of like endearing quality that she has and she's a little bit innocent and I think that compliment for awful lasagna like her response to that shows a little bit about that you know yeah she might not know how to be around people all the time but she's she's trying in a in a non-clinical like setting yeah probably Mm -hmm. and she really she really does search for validation quite a bit too you sort of get the feeling yeah yeah. Then, as everybody is sort of adjourning for for coffee and dessert and everything, uh, the kitchen assistant comes out. It's a woman named Jill who's played by Zeta Whitlow. Um, she only has a dozen credits on IMDb. I just had to mention that she was in Misfits of Science because one of the other hosts on the Fire and Water Network loves Misfits of Science. So that's a <laughs> shout out for him. But, you know, she, she sees Sam. She's like, Sam Malone, how are you? And they, she like gives like a big hug and he's like, are you still teaching massage? She's like, oh, I do them just the way you like them. And they're, they're getting very chummy. And Diane stands up. She's like, who is this, Sam? It's <laughs> very strange. <laughs> voice that's trying to be polite and innocent while not at all (laughs) so yeah so she leaves what does she say why can't we go to a single solitary place in all of boston without running into some girl you've had a fling with and he's like you're exaggerating she goes at the market the movies when we had our blood tests for heaven's sake (laughs) right (laughs) and and the same is like what are we supposed to do move And at that, Diane goes back into the bathroom, and that's when Sam says, "You know, back when he dated Jill, you know, they, she he wasn't with Diane because that's when she was living with Fraser." And this is news to to Lilith, who thought that she was the first person that he lived with. You just um, see her face go cold. Yeah, like that. the color drains again. Like it, <laughs> it, it goes from off white to white. <laughs> and she goes into the bathroom, and then. Uh, like, I should have thought of this before. And he takes the cheese knife or, or the, no, he takes a key out of like, a little, uh, a cabinet, cabinet door or something, a drawer or whatever, and locks the door and then gives Sam a Macanudo cigar. And they go upstairs to watch I Claudius on tape, all, all 12 episodes. Um, what did you think about the ending? Cause I don't know about like the fact that he actually locks them in. Mm-hmm. I can't explain why, but for some reason, there's, there feels like some something sort of misogynistic and sexist about it. I don't know why that's the feeling it gives me today. Like, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have thought that before, but I don't know. The fact that he locks it, it, it doesn't just seem like kind of like 
cruel, but there's uh, like uh, some other connotation that I can't explain. But hmm. I don't know. What do you? Am yeah. I alone on that? What do you? I mean, I think that there. I would say that there is, but I. I don't take it that seriously, I guess. I don't think it's necessarily cruel. I, I, it goes with what's been going on for the entire evening. It's all very like the male-female relationships for the most part, aside from like the sniping between Lilith and Diane, you know? So I don't necessarily think that that's, I don't know. It, it's a good enough ending, I would say. Like if they had to end it somewhere. So it doesn't... It, it's a sitcom Yeah, it is sitcom I can see Ricky and Fred doing that to Lucy and Ethel. Yes, um, it you is know, so it's, it's a very sitcom sort of traditional thing to do. So I guess that's why I didn't think of it in that way. But right. but but yeah. it has been kind of battle of the sexes the whole evening, except for the little you know two minute thing between Diane and Lilith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the. I would say that both of those ways are the ways in which I took it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything super like deeper? Yeah, I guess maybe I just wanted a little bit. I don't know some some idea of like closure that Frazier's two lovers are trapped in there together. Like, what's going to come of that? Or like, if there was a reason that he had to actually is he is he is he locking them in there because he's afraid of what's going to come out? Like, is it going to be a like like he's going to be attacked from both fronts or something like that? And or I think Sam should have locked all three of them in there myself. Now that could have been, so yeah, that could have been a funny ending. That would have been a better ending, but this one was, you know, like then, I guess the next best, yeah. uh, you know, in that vein. Yeah, five or six seasons later, little Frederick would have locked them all in. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but. yeah I don't know. I, it's interesting to think like, is there something else that's going to come out? But I, I took it as him just. And that's kind of Fraser's a little bit that way. That's kind of what I could see him doing. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's a little known fact for, for trivia. According to IMDb, I'm not sure where they actually source this, but according to IMDb, this is Kelsey Grammer's favorite episode. I can see that. I can see I can too. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I mean, he definitely gets some some heavy episodes later on, but this I've, is a fun one. I've I've mm-hmm. read some you know reviews of what different people have said about this episode, and they said this episode really kind of plays more like an episode of Frasier than Cheers um, sometimes. Well, hmm. yeah, again, that's that's why I kind of see like like their their previous episode earlier in the season yeah. could almost be considered like a stealth pilot of the right. Frasier and Lilith show. Right. I think this one kind of does too. Um, which is why it's still sort of miraculous that they didn't spin off these two right away. Um, the fact that they kept them on for the length of the whole yeah. series um, is is really a, a, a generous gift yeah, that kept fortunate. giving. Well, cheers. Yeah. Well, I think with with Shelley Long leaving at the end of five, you, season five, you needed the intellectual characters to stay on, so there could have been mm-hmm. that balance. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. Yeah um all right so getting into some of our other categories for norm's tab because we don't see him so much this episode he only had three beers which is takes him up to 466 (laughs) for the series um no small feat um employee of the week uh brandon who did you think all four of the you know the main players in this episode are great but i'm gonna give it to lilith just because i think she has more laugh out loud moments than the rest of them i concur (laughs) <laughs> I agree with that. I also gave it to Lilith. I, I agree. It's all four of them are making the episode just sing, but I would say Lilith. It's especially for only being her third episode. She has a oh, lot yeah. of, you can really see her character coming into, you know, into being, I think. And then, uh, yeah, the lines, her lines are the ones that even if I think about them, <laughs> they make me <laughs> laugh. So I, I definitely think it would have been, uh, you know, a poorer episode for her absence. 
no, it, it's a it's a testament to the actress and her phenomenal talent to come in here with like a group of t- phenomenal people, actors right. who have yeah. like this rapport who have been together for years now. Yeah. Um, and she comes in, but yeah, just the way like when she's like, I love the masculine touches. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's another one too when diane um after this after this the singing part at the piano it's like do you know what i love about your relationship (laughs) and lila says no and (laughs) zero interest (laughs) um speaking of those funny lines for the home runs i i I mentioned al's pumping iron is my runner up it's so close just because it's it's so out of nowhere that it's like what the and it's just so so much just on that voice that face everything about it um but for my home run like the entire dip scene the whole the way that plays out from from setup when fraser comes in and jokes about it and he 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 tells you what's going to happen he's like this will be our inside joke on them whenever they mention dip we'll become giddy because we remember that we were doing it by the dip and then it exactly happens once Sam says, hey, pass the dip and the look that they give each other and the audience just knows it's like, oh, my God, this is what he, he, he told us this was going to happen. And it just it just delivers so well. And then, like, the looks they give each other, the way they slowly sensuously eat chips. It's like everything about that. Just it was it was so perfect. So, Brandon, what, what about you? What did you think was the home run for the episode? Well, I, I, well, you already mentioned the, you know, was it good for you? Is yeah. certainly the one, but, but, but then runner up for me is insipid accordion design. <laughs> that actually is my home run. But why do you insist on displaying your magazines in that insipid accordion design? <laughs> That's the, to me, that was the funniest of many good lines. And then my runner up, I think would be Diane's list of places where they've met women with whom Sam has had a fling when we went to have our blood test. Uh, that was so good. We had a blood test for heaven's sake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Over again. Yeah. It's, I, I, it didn't even occur to me, like, as we were talking about it, that you're, you're right. This, this was her only Lilith's third appearance and she's such a, a dominant presence and so strong. And I can't wait till we see more of her on a more consistent basis going forward. Yeah, we, we don't see her again until season six after this. So right. Right. Yeah. 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 And you're right. Like- you're right. Brandon about like this sort of transitional phase that the show is in right now mm-hmm. with Sam and Diane as a more or less united couple kind of on the same wavelength about to get married in like this new comfort kind of place that we really haven't seen them in and like an episode like this does kind of give you the flicker of could they have gotten married and stayed a happily couple maybe because the the emphasis of the show isn't on their relationship yeah like it it, it teases that but it like only in kind of like a a macro level when it's really about another relationship and and i think that's what i was saying at the beginning this episode really is kind of a bird's eye view of what season six would have been had Shelley Long stayed um, yeah. and, and Frazier and Lilith could have been the dysfunctional couple and Sam and Diane could have become more functional. It would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, I mean, would that have worked? I, I think it, I think yeah. it could have worked for a season or two, but yeah, then you would have had to do something else. Yeah. yeah. I think they would have had to move the plot in the relationship drama almost entirely off of Sam and Diane with the way that they go kind of hot and cold in order to have it continue right. going. Well, I mean, we'll we'll have we'll have Frazier and Lil for a while. Eventually, we get Woody and Kelly. They do other things. Yeah, I just I, I think though that would have been 
it would have just become new. Yeah. I just I don't know if I don't know if the show would have lasted six it, more years of it, that. No, I don't think so. They would have had to have shifted it to what well what they eventually do, a more ensemble focused show. But right. um and and so maybe they would have had to have made Diane a little less eccentric and maybe, you know, changed the character a little bit and made her more of kind of a female Sam, you know, more of you know sort of the solid center of the show. But I don't know if, yeah. you know, that would have that might have been too jolting of a change for the audience. Right. Talking about like a shift in the show. And I was thinking of your comparison to um, what is it an old fashioned wedding? And that one is, you know, they get into almost pure farce in that episode, mm-hmm. which is great. And in this one, I feel like there's little elements of it that could become farcical and they don't quite hit that, but I think it's sort of a precursor of that. And I could see if the show, I mean, it does have more farce, I think, from this point forward here and there. I think they would have had to take it, the humor in that direction, a little bit more to have Diane stay and have it be something that worked. It had to be a little more absurd. It couldn't be as grounded as it was in the early years. I, I, yeah, I definitely think that's that's probably true of the sort of second era, the Rebecca years, is mm-hmm. the humor becomes a little bit more broad, a little bit more like over the top, kind of farcical, less based on highbrow concepts. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right way I'm saying it, but right. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Anyway, uh, a great episode, a very fun episode, and thank you both, Marlene and Brandon, for joining me to discuss this one um marlene where else can people find you if they want to hear from you in the podcastosphere well i have a podcast called norm it's yours podcast that is um different you know different format and so forth it's a friend that's never seen cheers before and i going through the episodes so um that is probably the primary place it's just the cheers inspiration continued on so a couple of years ago we started working on our own podcast about that as well so right now that's my main um my main podcasting activity and brandon where can people find you yeah you can find my show uh front row classics which is part of the front row network on um any podcasting app we're on you know itunes spotify amazon any of those places just look up uh front row classics or if you want to get a nice sampling of all the shows on our network just look up the front row network all right thank you very much once more time thanks both of you for being on the show and thanks all of you out there who listen to cheers cast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website fireandwaterpodcast.com you can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. Oh, oh, God, that is great, Jeff. Mm. Yeah, yeah, try it. Mm, delicious, Lilith. Frazier, have you tried some of Lilith's dip? Yes, I I have. Well, then I don't have to tell you how good it is. It's quite good.